So, we're nearly at fight night. AJ Ruiz, number two, the sequel. Repeat or Revenge. You know, we've had the full media machine out. And now we've seen the weigh-in. So now we're at that point where it is just there for the two men to fight. And what was really interesting about the weigh-in was the noise people made about both men's weights. And I think you can read too much into weigh-ins sometimes. I think people obsess about it. And what they normally do is they take the result of the fight and then they look back at the weigh-in. And they say, right, you know, this is where it went wrong. Look at him at the weigh-in. All the clues were there. Not true. So if you go back to the first fight, at the weigh-in, people were still telling you Joshua's going to kill this guy. Look at the size of him. Even I looked at him and went, nah, look at the size of this guy. He hasn't even tried to train for this. He's not respecting the sport coming in that out of shape. And I was like, ah, it's an easy, nice work for Joshua. I imagine 99% of people thought it's an easy, nice work for Joshua. As it turned out, it wasn't. Because muscles don't replace skills. And Ruiz had skills, he had timing, and he had speed. He had all of that over Joshua. So now we're, we're looking at this and we're seeing Ruiz come in at 20 stone, 283 pounds, I think it is, and Joshua comes in at 237 pounds. So what can that possibly mean? If I'm being honest, it means absolutely nothing. It means they've both prepared themselves for the fights that they'd have to fight anyway. Joshua's never going to come in at 17 stone 13 or 18 stone 4 to try and blitz Ruiz out. He can't have that kind of shootout. So he was always going to come and be more mobile and try and make Ruiz work. Ruiz was always going to come in as the bigger guy. He went into the first fight as the bigger guy. And it gave him an advantage. He now comes in as the bigger guy again. Exactly what he wanted. Exactly what his camp worked for. He had never planned to come in smaller than Joshua. He didn't need to. So if we look at them individually and we go, well, what does this tell us? What are the hypotheticals that could happen? Because we don't know the answers. And we won't know the answers till they tell us. And chances are what they tell us will be influenced by the result of the fight. So Joshua weighs in at 237. It's a good weight for him. What's that, 16 stone 13? That's a good athletic weight. That's a good, that's an interesting weight for uh, a man who prides himself on power and speed and being explosive. His physique looked okay on the scales, but it didn't look like it used to look. Even when he weighed around that weight before, he was in far better condition. What does that tell me? People say, ah, oh, is he still on the drugs? Is he off the drugs? No idea. If, he's, if, he's, if he was never on the drugs, I can't explain the change. If he was on the drugs and he's off, cool. Clean sport. Maybe they just modified the cocktail. I have no idea. I don't even know if he is taking stuff. No one knows. But Joshua's physique says, right, I'm here for mobility and speed, which is okay. Do we think he sustains the power he had in the first fight? Potentially, because power is not necessarily just about size. It's about the relative speed of an object with a defined mass. And so you want to find that sweet spot where if you were 17 stone 12, 
can you punch as hard as you do if you're 16 stone 13? If there's no difference in power at that point, go for the lighter weight, get the mobility, take the pressure off the stamina. Now, you know, you take the pressure off the stamina, but now we've got to ask the question, have you still got the same muscle mass you need around your core to take those body shots? Not so sure. Have you still got the muscle mass to generate the force that you had before? Really not sure. We'll only find out on Saturday. And then digging even deeper, at 237, is that the best version of Anthony Joshua? And if it is, why are we only seeing it now that he's been beaten? Like, what were all those scientists at Team GB doing? What was Rob McCracken? What was everyone around Joshua doing? Because from what I gather, Angel Fernandez is probably one of the two new faces I've had in the camp. So what were these guys doing for all of these years, believing that Joshua should be fighting at 247? Where did that calculation come from and where's this calculation come from? We don't know. What we do know is it doesn't tell us anything. Because if Joshua goes out there and blitzes him in one round, we'll say, well, losing the weight was the right thing to do. If he gets blitzed, then losing the weight was the wrong thing to do. But we need to know from the beginning, before the fight happens, why do they lose the weight? They're telling us they want to be more mobile. They want to be slicker, sharper. Cool. We'll see if that happens come fight night when it all kicks off. So watching the Ruiz Wayne was interesting. It, and I think in, in the whole AJ Ruiz saga, what we'll always give Ruiz credit for is he's controlled the psychology of the whole thing. Because he's always been seen as the underdog. He controls the psychology by just misdirecting and throwing little curveballs and little bits of doubt and having people get complacent and overlook him. They don't give him the credit he deserves. So in this way, and if you look, Joshua shows up stripped down, standard Joshua way, and you know, he's got the Beats headphones on. You know what it is. You know what you get with Joshua in a way, and he's going to look in, re well, this time he looked in reasonable shape, not amazing shape like he normally does, but it's reasonable. Ruiz showed up like he just jumped out of his G550 Mercedes. Now, did he have weighted trousers on? Perhaps. You can't rule that out. Did he, did he seek to misdirect everyone in terms of weight? Perhaps. But it doesn't matter. Ruiz at 283 pounds poses Joshua this problem. If your strategy is to, to jab and hold, you now have to hold a guy that weighs 20 stone. A man that has a far lower center of gravity than you do. So he'll be able to move you around. So when you're trying to hold him, you're also trying to stop him moving you back onto the ropes. Because once he gets you on the ropes, he can then go again. So actually, everything about Ruiz says is going to take a lot of energy for Joshua to control it. And at 20 stone, Joshua will probably wish he was heavier. He was more muscular. Because Ruiz is just going to do that barrel in lean. And he... If he is really 283 pounds, maybe he just hasn't trained for 12 rounds and he said, right, this isn't going more than 10. Fine. Makes for an interesting fight and I'm okay with that. If it turns out that actually he's not 283 and he's probably 268 again, he's still far heavier than Joshua. So I'm like, I'm okay with that. 
in every scenario, I'm okay with the weight Ruiz is because he was never going to win a 12-round decision. But we all know that. So if he comes in to drain the Joshua tank and have him gasting by the middle of the fight, cool, do that. If he's going to come in and deceive Joshua and Joshua goes, nah, he's slacked off, he hasn't trained as hard as he should have done. If it's mind games by Team Ruiz, fantastic. If Team Joshua bite, but I don't think they will this time. I think they're taking nothing for granted. They're preparing for the best version of Ruiz. They're going to prepare for Ruiz to boss up Mayweather. And if they don't, then they deserve to lose. So the 283 pounds doesn't bother me. It doesn't mean that much. Because the work that's going to win you the fight was done two weeks ago. Whatever happens now is irrelevant. If you haven't done it by the end of November, it ain't going to help you. That's the reality of boxing. You don't, you don't get better overnight. Ruiz has played, like I said, he's played the psychology so well, Joshua doesn't know how to read him. There are no tells. I don't care what experts they have. The Ruiz has this thing that says, I might have been in the streets, I might not have been in the streets, but I've figured people out, and I know what you're going to respond well to, and I know what you're going to respond badly to. If he's playing around with his weight, fantastic. You know, keep Team Joshua guessing. And then on fight night, execute the plan you always had. I'm happy for Andy Ruiz. What I don't want to find out is that this guy was fucking around in camp and he wasn't training and he wasn't hungry. It's too late for that. If Ruiz loses, he deserved to fucking lose. If Joshua loses, he deserved to fucking lose. Because the fights that we're talking about here are so historic. The stakes are so high. No one should have come in half-cooked. If you come in half-cooked, postpone the fight. Have the courage to do so. So, the weight for me is not the issue in this fight for Ruiz. And I want to focus more on Ruiz because I've talked a lot about Joshua. The weight's not an issue. I'm like, I'm happy for you, man. Come in heavy. Cool, put the weight on him. See if, see if you can hit him harder. See if you can break him quicker. Cool. You come in lighter, same thing. Just maybe takes a bit longer and you're a bit more mobile. I have no idea. What I know is... Ruiz was never about the athleticism. He was never about being light on his feet. He was about speed, timing, accuracy, and all those good things that make legitimate world champions. So that's not the big issue. And when you saw them in the head-to-head -head at the weigh-in, what I always look at is what I call the effective zone. And that's, for, that's your chin, your chest, and your body. Ruiz hasn't got far to go to hit those targets. I don't care about the top of Joshua's head. I don't care about his nose. If I can hit the chin, hit the chest, hit the body, that's enough. And Ruiz can do that. Ruiz is more compact. He's not as stretched out as Joshua is. But where all the key points are, it's not that much difference. So, yes, he might give up a lot, but he can hit those targets pretty easily. So it'll be intriguing to see how he does that. What I've liked about everything up until this point with Team Ruiz is really how defensively sound he's been. You know, we'll make, we're talking about the weight here, and that's cool, but in that public workout, he was able to throw rapid-fire combinations, then engage his defensive positions, straight back into another attack. High, highly advanced skills for a boxer. He's able to do this at supposedly 283 pounds. Tells you all you need to know. 
he hasn't been cutting corners in terms of his speed and his skills. Where we need to start looking is, okay, so you look good in the public workout. What's been happening in camp up until that point? The answer is, we don't really know. We've seen a few videos and we've seen the hand speed and we've seen the combinations, but we saw that all in the first fight. Is that better than it was before? I really hope so. Had to find an extra 20%? I really hope so. For me, the most intriguing part of it has been the drafting in of Michael Hunter to the Ruiz camp. There's a risk. Obviously, Hunter's affiliated to Matchroom into zone. Does he leak information out about what's happening in camp? I I don't think Ruiz really cares. What's more interesting is actually the trade-off. So you get a guy who is affiliated to Matchroom into zone, but he fights on the same day as you. So he's trying to peak like you're trying to peak on the same day. So the intensity, actually, you're matching each other's intensity every round that you spar. If you look at Joshua's camp, Timothy Moten doesn't have a fight. Tabiti doesn't have a fight. Brian Jennings doesn't have a fight. Tom Little, yes, he's on the card, but he's a last-minute addition. I say that, but I can't verify that. And so you end up at a point where Joshua hasn't been in with an elite guy in this camp who's fighting on the same bill that he is. Ruiz has. And a guy who's looking at him like, you might be a potential victim for me. So Michael Hunter might be the difference maker here. Maybe that's why Ruiz came in heavy, because he said against a small guy like Michael Hunter, I was all good. I think Hunter weighed in at, what, 16 stone one or maybe 16 stone three. So Hunter's a small guy. Joshua's coming at 16, 13. But I think... Per kilo of height, they're probably broadly similar. So Ruiz has had that good work. And if Hunter was able to match that intensity, then that means that Ruiz has got that sharpness. He's got that fight sharpness. He's got that fight intensity in him already. So it's not going to be a surprise. He's not going to have to think what's the pace going to be like when the bell rings. Because he's had Hunter knocking lumps out of him. And hopefully all of his other sparring partners like Gerald Washington. And it's important because it's rare that you get two fighters in a camp who fight at the same time and are able to push each other on. It's almost like the amateur days, you know, if you've got two guys that are going to fight and they're in two different weight classes, but, you know, they're in adjoining weight classes, they'll push each other on, they'll spar each other, not necessarily to hurt each other, but to get that work rate in, to know what it's like to suffer, to know what that pain is when you haven't got time to think. And I'm hoping that's what Ruiz has got. I really do. I really hope that it was the hunter sparring that made the difference and that it wasn't actually a detriment. Something I did pick up on when I was watching the public workout was Ruiz was using the shield block a lot. Not the salute block, the shield block. So if you ever want to watch what a shield block looks like, Bernard Hopkins does great demonstrations. It's on YouTube somewhere, as does Gabe Rosado. You essentially use your left arm to block everything. Jabs, right hands, hook, whatever. That's what you use your left hand to do. And Ruiz was doing a lot of that in the public workout. Now, I'm not sure if that's misdirection. I hope it's not. Because what it would point to actually is Ruiz is going to be looking to counter with the right hand. Use the jab to draw Joshua's attack. Use that left hand to block it again. And just counter the right hand when Joshua's vulnerable. Because ultimately, what Joshua's really good at is when he's not punching, he keeps his hands up. 
So you want to wait for him to get careless. When he gets careless, pick him off. And as we said before, if he tries to hold, make him feel all 20 stone of you. And he won't want to hold for much longer because he's not the king of stamina. And I'm really, really buzzing about this now. Because a lot of things, if Ruiz pulls it off, it can add to the coaching lexicon. So there are things that you should be able to do. This is probably one of them. Get someone hungry. Get one of your peers in to push you. The only other person I can think of off the top of my head who does that actively is Craig Richards. You know, Craig has no qualms to get in with his peers and go, look, let's jump in and do some rounds. I might win some, I might lose some. Who cares? Dan Aziz is the same sort of guy. I'll jump in with Joshua Boazzi, Dan Azak, so it doesn't bother me. If we've got to fight each other down the line, we'll cross that bridge when we get to it. But that cross-handed block he is, that shield block that he's got, he looks to be using, if that means he's going to trigger his right hands and so forth, then Joshua might be in trouble because he was more worried about the left hook before and it shows that Ruiz is a thinking fighter. So that's another element that we might want to see in the fight that how it plays out. And, you know, I'm not going to say Joshua can't win. I think he can win. But he has so many things that were exposed in that fight. Chin, body shots, stamina were all issues for him. Even when he was looking good boxing, he looked vulnerable. And go back and watch the first fight. It's not like Joshua just fell to pieces immediately. He looked like a man who could win that fight until he got hit properly. And then he wasn't used to the fact that someone was going to set about him, which Ruiz will do. And I'm not sure he's had the sparring since to reassure him that he can handle it when the pressure comes on top. So if you're Ruiz, how on earth do you win this? I, I, I think you're going for intense pressure for the first half of the fight. Head movement, blocking all those shots, hitting Joshua. Keep touching him. Keep touching him, keep moving him back. Keep him on the back foot. If you give Joshua the opportunity to come forward and dominate the center of the ring behind that jab, it's a long day for you. You have to move him back. Because when you move him back, it's harder for him. It's not impossible. It's harder for him to do the things that make him famous. And so that will be my advice immediately. Is off the head movement, come in, keep that tight guard. That tight guard Ruiz has puts a lot of pressure on opponents psychologically because they're trying to find gaps where there are none. And they dare not go down to the body because they know what he's like countering over the top. So... It's a tricky one. Joshua will not be throwing many body shots in this, I don't think, unless it's a jab to the body. And then even then, he runs the risk of eating a counter shot. So if you're Joshua, one, two, circle round, one, two, circle round. If you're Ruiz, you want to just shut the space down, make sure that he can't work like that. These things are important. Then he has to let Joshua feel that power again, remind him how hard that he hits. Maybe touch that body, touch that temple. You know, let him know that, look, here are all your weaknesses. I just want to hit you around your weaknesses to let you know I haven't forgotten them. And all of this alchemy, the psychology happens in the background. And hopefully this has happened in the camp. Because I'd like to see Ruiz give a good account of himself. You know, too often in boxing we see guys get that win 
and it all goes tits up. We'd quite like to see someone win and sustain. You know, Rob McCracken has been regularly talking about Joshua's a challenger. That's an advantage for him. Why? You told us him being the champion's advantage. There's so much hypocrisy being spoken about here that you have to sift through the nonsense. And the truth is, they don't know if they can beat Ruiz. Because really, if you're Team Joshua, your question is, can I beat Ruiz? If you're Team Ruiz, you're like, can we beat Joshua again? We know what it took last time. Do we have what it takes this time? Which is a far better place to be in than the uncertainty of, I don't know if I can beat him. Not only that, but memories of how he beat me. So all of these elements make this an intriguing fight. You can't avoid watching this. You have to be invested in this fight because at the macro level, the big picture, this is about the future of the heavyweight division. I want to see Andy Ruiz unify, and I think that's far easier if he wins. And I also want to see Joshua actually fight his way back up to the top and fight guys like Dillian and Usyk and Chisora to find his way back to the top. And once he does that, I'd love him to win another world title. I'd love him to say, look, I had to rebuild myself and I've won another world title. And I don't want it to be a soft one like Hearn likes to give him. I want him to beat someone we legitimately expect him to lose to. And then he can cement his place in that boxing folklore. I think it's that simple. But I am looking forward to the fight tomorrow. And my head and my heart still want Ruiz to win. But I can also be humble enough to second see how Joshua wins.